Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. Hi, this is David. And, and I'm here Jim. with Jim. And we are the Practical Guitarist Podcast. <laughs> and I'll make I I yeah, there's been some bloopers. Anyway, moving <laughs> on. So uh here we are this week. Big project of 2018 has started for me. Um, and I think we're gonna focus on that for today's show. I got my Shengzi Les Paul. Uh or Unicorn, I guess is what it's called. Jim would probably kill me because he's a purist. This is not a Les Paul. <laughs> It's a Les Paul in look only. Um, so if you've been following along, I, I think it's been mentioned previously in the show that uh, I was going to order a Chinese knockoff guitar. Um, I did not want to order something that had the Gibson name on it. So I ordered a Shengze, which has a beautiful kind of back alley cat inlay on it. They used to be Bad Cat guitars. Uh, they got some legal paperwork from Bad Cat Amplification and decided that they were no longer going to be called Bad Cat. They were going to be called Shengze, although they have kept their Bad Cat logo. So, Jim, you've heard some audio clips of this thing. Cause, uh, I have. For those, of you don't, for those of you who don't know, Jim and I are not in the same location. And we'll go from there. Yeah, and I don't want to come across negative because that would be the first thing that would sound like. so. I'm going to be I'm going to be positive um in the light of being negative. It didn't it didn't have any real punch. It might have been going for the underpowered style of pickups of the day, but I'm not really sure uh that they really accomplished that. Um I noticed that the frequency range uh was like Mick Jagger's voice. It was really small. And uh there goes all our Rolling Stones fans. <laughs> But he's good, okay? It's, yeah, it is. It, 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 that's true. He's it's good. Just, he's good. It, I don't know about the guitar, but. right? So, um, but it was it was very limited, and I it was really lacking that when you think of a Les Paul, you think of a really powerful voice that just punches you right in the face, and I didn't get that from the Shangzi, even even um, though you have a decent uh, gear setup. I didn't. I didn't get that at all from the Shangzi. Uh, my my impressions are kind of similar. Um, I was trying to to outline the positives here before we get into the real nitty gritty. But the the positive thing is, of course, that you've got a two hundred fifty dollar guitar with pickups that they work. Okay, I was going <laughs> to say suck, did. but okay. No, they work. I mean, okay. So if you're starting out, and this is like a second guitar or a third guitar for you. You might not hate this thing because you don't have other fine, high-caliber instruments to compare it to, hopefully. I mean, if you're starting out, I wouldn't think you're going to have, you know, the USA stuff and all that. But you might. If you do, you're going to notice the deficiencies. Now, I'm going to characterize this with uh, kind of some audio engineering speak for those of us that are kind of aware of what's going on. I would say this guitar has a... Treble roll off probably around 5k in the in the frequency response the pickups do, and then the bass response probably rolls off around 250. On a lot of vintage recordings, you'll hear Les Pauls 
the ones that come to mind are uh, like old Led Zeppelin recordings where he's using both pickups. And it nails that sound. But the problem is that's a post-EQ'd sound where they're already rolling off some of those frequencies to fit it into the mix. And this guitar feels like it's coming that way out of the box. Problem is, of course, you're doing that post-amp, you're getting a, uh, a more dynamic, broader range sound. If you're doing it pre-amp, it's not going to hit the tubes as hard in the right ways to get them to to get them to um, react to your playing. And so for me, these pickups have got to go. Um, <laughs> there's some other things to be said here. Now, I, today I did an acoustic comparison between um, my Gibson SG and Les Paul. Now, of course, sinful me, I, I know that the SG is not going to sound like Les Paul. You're talking a very significant difference in weight on these two guitars. This guitar, I have not weighed, but I would say based on uh, other guitars that I've had and stuff, this is probably right in around 11 pounds. My SG is around 7, maybe 8 pounds. What you would expect is to have a thinner tone out of the SG. Now, what I found is the SG is far more lively. Uh, it's a lot acoustically louder, uh, better sustained acoustically, which leads me to believe that the Shengzi actually may not have bad acoustic properties in the body. I think what's actually going on here is that the hardware is holding back what this guitar is capable of. Um, the hardware on here is, for lack of a better word, pot metal. It's got to be aluminum. It's probably not, no, it's not aluminum. It's probably it's probably tin or something like yeah, that. Yeah, my understanding know? is that a lot of the, um, now I could be wrong, but I remember hearing that a lot of the metal that's used in those type those types of guitars or style of guitars is that they are using metal that comes from uh, fully recycled aluminum cans and stuff like that, which is fine for certain things that don't yeah. need that strength. But for this, well, you need you're, that not get, you're not getting any mass. You're not get, uh, with aluminum. Aluminum is a very soft metal, so you're not going to get any hardness. Um, which are probably both things that I would think in my mind to contribute to something. However, uh, with brass is not extremely hard from from my recollection. I used to work no, in a metal no, shop. Brass, I should know this. Brass stuff. is a very soft metal. I mean, it just depends on the acoustic resonance of what they're using. And if it's pot metal, you can bet that it's a hodgepodge of whatever they're throwing in the pot that day. The bridge, I've already had problems with. The saddle pieces vibrate. And they do that whole thing where you have to have the retainers, the retainer spring in contact. So I actually last night I, I went through with a screwdriver and shoved it in there as hard as I could and kinked the, uh, the the spring to try and get it to calm down a little bit. And it seems to be doing its job, but um, that's always a hassle. And of course, the tailpiece, you know, there's not really much to be said there except that the neck angle on here is proper. Not the headstock angle, but the neck angle in here is proper because I can get the tailpiece all the way down to the body and still adjust the the bridge height to be where I need it for low action. So I, I on my SG, I can't do that. My, my tailpiece has to be raised up slightly, otherwise I'm going to bend the bridge. Now let's get into the really, really bad stuff. So we're talking about kind of mediocre hardware. It's functional. Um, I wouldn't say it's high functional. But then we've got the tuners. I got the guitar back. I, I took it in for a setup. And I actually went ahead and had him replace the nut because uh, the nut was ridiculous. But more on that in a moment. The G-string tuner, I have to literally turn the post six times, 360 degrees, all the way around before it finally catches, which tells me that there's teeth missing on a yeah, gear. Yeah, that tells me you got you got teeth missing, and it's it's trying to find a way to catch, but it's not. 
It eventually does, but that's not going to be functional for very long. Um, and it's it just makes tuning this thing a nightmare. And I think the D string has the opposite problem. It's it's there's teeth missing going forward rather than backward. But that being said, I can get it in tune, so it plays in tune. It, once I replaced the nut, the tuning stayed pretty solid. The uh, the original nut was actually binding on the A, D, and G strings, and it was hilariously mounted in the guitar. The other problem I had was the uh, truss rod cover was extended above the guitar because the way that they had drilled the holes, they did not go deep enough into the guitar. Now, I didn't ask my my local shop, Good Time Music, what they did to fix the, uh, the truss rod cover, but I did notice they fixed it. My guess is they used the proper length screws because the screws that came in this guitar probably would have been long enough to actually penetrate into the little the little truss rod area. So hats off to them if they did that. But just a word of the wise, you know, one of the things they try to do on these guitars to get away with murder is they'll use the wrong screws. They'll, in fact, I found machine screws and wood in here. So, you know, use a wood screw, guys. Come on. And then on the back of the guitar. I found that there was not enough wood to close up one of the cavities, so they drilled the screws outward into the outer edges of the metal, which means you've got screws protruding on the back, uh, something I'm going to have to correct. It's not a terribly difficult fix, but it's one that's kind of, you know, you got to wait for the guitar to dry and stuff while you're doing it, because I'm going to have to put glue in. I was going to say, probably you think got to put some putty or wood glue? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably get some balsa wood and wet it, and then glue that on the inside just to bolster it up, and then fill the hole with glue and just drill right into it and be done with it. Should be a problem. Um, not going to glue the, you know, the screw in, but I'll let the glue harden before I put the screw in. The, the strap locks on it, well, the strap pins, you know, it doesn't come with strap locks. The strap pins on it look pretty good. Um, I've been using them with the hilariously included uh, slash from Guns N' Roses <laughs> slash American flag guitar strap, which is just hilarious to me because nobody know everybody when they look at this thing knows this thing from China. Double slash. I mean, it's very much yeah. <laughs> when I got it, the nut was bad, the truss rod. I mean, the neck was completely backbowed, and I had to I had to adjust the truss rod right out of the box. First thing I realized, it has a double action truss rod. It both tightens and loosens, which I'm like, what? So. I know it's a pretty common thing, but on, you know, even on Gibson's now, I, correct if I'm wrong, but I don't believe they're putting double action in there. And then, of course, some of the glue work on no, here because is the, just... the true, the true um, Gibson guys would go, oh, you can't do that. It would change the tone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. To hell with them. <laughs> but, uh, so there's glue all over this thing, all, around the neck joint. I mean, it's just oozed out, and then they finished over it. They didn't even bother to... Uh, to try and sand it down or anything. And it may be that they did sand it down, but the glue does some sort of staining. There's a couple of finish flaws on the edges of the guitar, but nothing on the face or back. Uh, it's a two-piece body, uh, veneer on the back, veneer on the front. I don't know if there's a cap. Um, it looks like there's a cap based on the fact that they, how they, how they routed out the uh, control plates and everything. There's probably a cap. I would suspect the cap is actually mahogany with a veneer on top. I'm assuming the guitar is made out of mahogany. It feels like mahogany. It sounds like mahogany, so it probably is. I know that the people that say, you can't hear the wood, probably going to chime in here, but I'm talking about acoustically, not amplified. The finish on this thing looks outstanding for, for what, I mean. Well, I, I, I think you should speak yeah. to the uh, the glue and a couple little things. I mean, be, <clears throat> be general and be specific, because obviously there was some blatantly 
like where you've got the bl- glue on the back of the neck. Oh yeah, no, I mentioned yeah. there's glue all over this thing around that neck joint. It's it's pretty it's pretty sloppy. There was some glue on the fretboard, but it looks like as they oiled and cleaned the fretboard, most of that came off. So that may not have been glue, or at least it was something soluble enough that it was able to come off the fretboard pretty easily. And there and there was a couple of finish marks on the end of the guitar. Uh, there is a bad seam. It looks like there's a lot of glue used in that seam between the two halves of the body. I, I've seen that in Epiphone, so I'm not like terribly concerned about that. But the uh, the neck joint is actually made of two pieces of wood. Uh, one piece being a like a shim underneath the neck, the other piece being the actual neck itself. Um, which is funny because so on, on, on an Epiphone they do this on some Epiphones, uh, particularly like the the dots that are out of China. They're they're constructed in a very similar way, except that they have the two piece headstock, you know, where the uh, what do they call it, a scarf joint, um, where they actually have a separate piece for the headstock that meets the body. On this particular guitar, the the neck is actually one piece, but there's this like shim piece that that uh, makes up the the heel, and then that's glued in place, and then the neck is glued in on top of that. Now I'm not sure why that was done. Uh, the work appears to be good. Um, I was told by my local shop that that's not terribly uncommon on epiphones but that they dip, typically don't do it to guitars that are uh translucent translucently finished which this one is so you can see it um, uh, usually that's with the solid colors right or they do a better job of matching that piece but yeah i mean I, i'm not as concerned about that i yeah it's a gripe because of course like i could have paid a little bit more i could have paid 450 and got an epiphone less fall standard and hopefully it wouldn't have been like that However, uh, for for the money I paid for this thing, it was two hundred fifty bucks, and then I think it was like an extra, I think it was two hundred seventy dollars, and then an extra sixty bucks or something for the case. To be honest, the case is probably just as good as you get for any Epiphone, um, and money wise. One caveat about the case, though, since this has a slightly steeper than Epiphone neck joint, it's oh, yeah. it's right there. It's only slightly. I, it's halfway between an Epiphone and a, and, a, and a typical Gibson headstock angle. The, the funny part about it is the guitar's headstock touches the back of the case. Now, that was easy enough to resolve. I used a little rag to elevate the neck. I put it in the little, the little neck pocket, throw the guitar in there. And the, and the case, actually, everybody asks about the case. Like, what kind of guitar is that? <laughs> it's hilarious because it's, it's got this brown leather cover. Um, we'll try to post some pictures up in the... the uh, Practical Guitarist Facebook group, so you guys can see the case and the guitar itself in good lighting conditions and stuff. The the case actually, like I said, it, it turns heads. Even uh, my local store guy was like, "That's a really cool case." And then he touched it and he went, "Uh, I don't know." And then he picked up the handle and he goes, "That's pure petroleum." <laughs> it's it is hilarious. It it is the the cheesiest piece of rubber. You'd ever put your hands on. And I've had people like literally pick up the handle and go gross. Like, cause it just feels gross. It, it feels like, like uh, some sort of gel toy or gelatin or something. It's weird. The pocket that's in this case is it's tiny. It's a joke. It's hard to, hard to even put tools in and stuff that you might need. I don't think it would fit a, uh, a set of strings to be honest. But other than that, I mean, I like the case. This is a head turner. It's a very attractive look. I wish, other companies would be more interested in making their cases a little bit more attractive than the typical black, but I guess that's part of that's for, for theft reasons. 
they want them all to kind of look the same so nobody knows what they're really stealing i guess here comes the here comes the fun the fun experience i've had with this thing so far i took it into the uh the guitar store yesterday to get it or i actually would have been friday we're recording this on uh sunday I took it in to get it set up. They knew what I was bringing in. And the second I brought it in, uh, Pat from Good Time goes, I don't want to hear what's wrong with it. I want to look it over for myself to see whether I think this is a good instrument or not. So he took it out of the case. He sided the neck and then kind of strummed a few chords, looked at the body, looked at the front and everything. And he said, you know what? He said, for 250 bucks, this is great. And so I that kind of made me feel good. But um, we also kind of knew that there was going to be a lot of work involved. I immediately just had I said, pull the pull the uh, the nut. The nut was garbage. Um, And even he kind of got a chuckle about how bad the nut was when when they when I went to pick it up. And then, uh, yeah, when I got it, it was 100 percent more playable. I think with a good setup, these things are are really good guitars. Actually, the playability on this thing rivals my my uh, SG, but the sound of it's still a mess. I was going to say, let's talk tone. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of work to do. Um, so this is my project for 2018. Uh, the, the idea being that we're going to upgrade pickups, hardware, pretty much. The only thing I'm keeping is wood. It should be it should be interesting to see what comes out. Now, I've been doing a little bit of research. There's a couple of little things I didn't point out here. Number one, the top. Most Gibson bookmatched tops, and I think this is a quality specification, the, the, the bookmatched line goes right down the center of the, the uh, G&D strings. So dead center of the strings. That becomes your, your halfway point for the guitar. On this guitar, it's off by maybe an eighth of an inch. Now, I have heard that Gibson used to do them all over the map years ago, uh, specifically around the time of the bursts. There are quite a few bursts with off-center book matches, and that there have been a lot more in the 70s and stuff. They've gotten better about it now. You don't see it as much anymore. But even this, I was I was going around Sweetwater, and I was looking at different ones, and I saw a couple where the, where the, uh, the book match was off slightly to the right or left, you know, looking at the guitars, and the headstock is, is uh, vertical. I don't know. I don't. I, I think it's kind of a, a a beauty mark. I don't really perceive it as being an issue, unless you're right up on the guitar. You're not going to be able to see it anyway. Uh, and even then, it's not necessarily something you would just like. Oh, that book matches off. You know, maybe a, maybe a collector or something. But then again, that's not what this is aimed at. This is aimed at a you know uh, an early beginning player or somebody who's looking to add something else to their arsenal, like myself. I'm looking at the uh, the book match now. The uh, the veneer is great. I mean, I thought I was getting photo flame, and Jim and I kept, were kind of teasing each other about it. As he knew I had ordered it, and he kept saying, "Yeah, it's gonna be photo. It's gonna be photo." And I said, "Well, I'll be wall art then." But uh, it's not photo. It's got some depth to it. It's not. It's not a triple A flame maple, but it's probably a double A. <laughs> I would consider it. I would. It would be up in that that area. I don't think I made a bad decision. I think it's a great budget option for somebody who wants to have a project. If you're like looking into the idea of, you know, hey, I want to have a guitar that has the pickups I want in it and the hardware I want on it, and I just need to buy a neck and body. I mean, there are options. You could do GFS, which also is Chinese, or you could do um, you could buy an Epiphone and gut it. I would suggest you go used if you're going to go that route, or you could, you know, have a luthier build you a neck and body. But I think this is probably one of the cheaper ways to go. 
I think so. that, so looking at what you got, let's look at real cash. So let's not count the case because an Epiphone typically wouldn't come with a case unless you're getting one of the. Yeah, it's not going to have a hard case. Six, seven hundred dollar right? cases. And, or, I mean, Epiphones anyway, the, you know, those quote unquote de- signature Epiphones. So if you're looking at that, you paid what, 200 and what for the guitar? 270. Uh, I mean, look, I got my reverb account. And then you, um, you also paid some shipping. Not a lot. Or did you pay any shipping? No. no. Right. Uh, no shipping. No shipping. I believe it was two sixty nine. I'll post it in the show notes if it was if it was anything other than that. Yep. Two sixty nine, and then I think it was seven or sixty bucks for the case. Yep. So it all came out to like three fifty ish. No okay. shipping costs involved. So if if I was to walk in a guitar center, I bought an phone again. It wouldn't come with a case anyway. So it'd be let's say I had two hundred seventy dollars in my pocket. Yeah. I'm not getting a new Epiphone. Not today. Not, nope. <laughs> not one of the not one of the mid range. Yeah, you want an LP special too? <laughs> yeah, no. not one of the mid range uh, yeah, I mean, ones. Because they they're up they over three hundred guitars in that price, right. right? So now let's go. So let's talk. Um, you you put some decent hardware on it. You didn't put all your new hardware on it, but you did replace the nut, which is uh, something that anybody that buys an Epiphone is going to do. Right. Some places will give you a free setup. You know, it depends on the. I mean, the smaller shops will typically give you a free setup. So yeah, I paid for it. But, you, you paid for a setup, but then again, anybody could do a setup. So let's call that a wash. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, I would think, yeah. So the nut on this thing, well, let Jim, let's make the assumption they're buying this thing online, right? Right. So if okay. they want to have it set up, they're going to have to pay for it. That's right. So my my setup was just to install the nut, the the nut and the uh, installation. Together was thirty bucks, so it's fifteen bucks for the install, thirteen bucks for the nut. If you had the, the, nut, the nut, did make a tremendous impact on the sound too. I wanted to just, yeah, it was so like ten percent better. So. so you're about three hundred and seventy dollars, not including the case. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So um, let's talk. Uh, no, you said three hundred seventy or two hundred seventy. Two seventy, and then yeah. whatever you paid to get the nut installed in the setup. Right, thirty bucks. So $300. Okay, $300. So you're $300 into this thing. You figure mm-hmm. you, right now, um, I mean, I priced yesterday, and some people might be able to find better prices, but the Seymour Duncan set that you talked about is about $200. But yeah, you could it's probably $200. Get cheaper. Let's say you got a $150 um, set of pickups, which if you bought the Epiphone and you wanted the pickups, you're still going to have to do that. Right. Right, but you could sell the Epiphone pickups online. I don't think I'm going to get anything for these if I was to sell them out, right? No, nah, I don't think so. We're talking, at that point, we're at 500 Yep. Uh, for the bridge, I've already priced out bridge and tailpiece at uh, $100 for Tone Pros. Yep. I, he said the, he said the install is really cheap. I, I asked him, and so probably another 15 bucks for the install. Yep. And then, like, I do the pickups myself. So we're talking, right then, we're at $615. Okay, so you're about six hundred and fifteen dollars, and let's say you were gonna. Um, I got to tu- replace the tuners. Too. Those are what fifty bucks. Sixty. Sixty bucks. Okay. So they're still under seven hundred. Yeah. So you're six hundred and fifty bucks. Let's say six hundred sixty dollars somewhere in there. You're gonna have. You are probably gonna replace the pot. Yeah, I'm gonna do all the pots of wearing, but and just, and no, no labor on that. I'm gonna take care of that. No pots uh, and, and, and the switch. Because tell me right. you're not going to keep that switch. Actually, the switch is. It looks like it's a. It's their version of a switchcraft. Really? Looks looks high quality enough. 
I haven't looked at the pots yet. I'm pretty okay. sure the pots are going to have to get changed because the the, the uh, taper on them is terrible. They're very very slow moving pots, right? And I I can't I can't live with them. So they're going to have to go. And I, I figure Switchcraft what they're like ten bucks a piece now or fifteen bucks a piece. Yep. They're not they're not cheap. So I may leave the tone the tone pots in place because I barely use those, but I will definitely be changing the volume pots out for uh, Switchcraft. Yep. That's Switchcraft. The um. I can't remember the name of the company. Everybody uses them. Never mind. <laughs> All right. So. I'll get some PRS. I'll get some PRS volume pods. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you're somewhere around seven hundred bucks. Yeah, total. Because pots say, are cheap. Let's face it. Pots and wire are cheap. Between seven hundred and seven fifty, below seven fifty. Yeah. Yeah. So I just don't think you'll spend a hundred dollars between pots and a switch. Even if you did yeah. replace the switch, so I just don't oh. think I think you're probably out what thirty bucks in pots, if that. Yeah, yeah, if that. I mean, because you're going to get what one K pots, you're going to put five hundreds in it. Well, it would depend on the pickups, but probably, probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to have it. I'm going to have a fifty, uh, fifty style. Okay, so, so I don't know if those are five hundred. Yeah, I yeah. believe those are five hundreds, but. Yep. Um, and I'm probably going to save a little bit money on the pickups personally. If you were going to do this yourself and you didn't have a connection to get pickups for an inexpensive price, that's what you're going to pay. I'm probably going to be fifty to seventy-five bucks under that. Okay. So. Yeah. So I would say about two hundred. You should budget yourself in the two hundred dollar range for pots, because even a oh, de- yeah. decent set of, as we said, J um, uh, Seymour Duncan um, humbuckers are going to run you about two hundred dollars. Right. Right. So I mean, there's some wiggle room there. And of course, you know the the difference between doing this and buying a seven hundred dollar guitar is you can incrementally make these upgrades when you have the money available. That's right. So if the guitar and that's has a, to sit on hold. Right. You know. It's a huge difference. It's if it's something you don't need today, then you have a much easier time with you know um, the expenditures the as they come along. Right. right. So mm-hmm. overall, so far, I'd say that would you say this was a positive experience? Yeah, I mean, and then, so we didn't talk about the, the sale portion of it. Um, yeah. I know in a previous episode, I think we briefly discussed the nightmare it is to communicate with this company. And the and I, by the way, I did give them uh, stars off on Reverb for communication because it was it was pretty bad. And I did not get the guitar that was pictured, which that's another thing. Um, it's close. It's real close. I think they made an honest mistake when they were trying to match up the photos to the actual guitar. But the funny thing is, you flip it over, the uh, the control plates don't match the one that they sent me in the photographs. So these are cream colored. The ones on the actual photograph are black. I could care less about that. Nobody's going to look at the back of this guitar anyway. I mean, I'd even talked about putting a sustainer in, a, in an FRX trim in it. I'm not concerned about looks as much. And this, of course, has sparked my interest in uh, heritage guitars now. Yeah, for what it's worth, I mean, this is the gateway drug into Les Pauls for me. I had one before, but it just I did not bond with it. I had it for a number of years. And actually, the reason I bought it, I wanted a guitar with the uh, pneumatic-style bridge so that I could mount MIDI pickup on it. And I had the, the mounting kit and took care of it. And it, you know, it outlived its usefulness, and I sold it. I think that overall, you're probably going to be relatively positive about this. It's hard to be negative about it. The one thing that I would say that I think anyone would say is that 
at the end of the day, if you put $700 into this thing, you were not going to get $700 worth of resale. No, not unless you part it out. And even then, I'm buying parts new. So, I mean, I know I'm going to take a loss on it. Yep. Um, if I was to buy parts used, the only way I would recoup my money is to part it out and sell it at the end. And then I'm still going to be out the 250 bucks for the body and the neck because chances are I'm going to get maybe 100 bucks. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's just the reality of it. Uh, I mean, if you enter into it knowing that, like we've said on the show before, you're probably better off. And I think that that's the big thing that people, um, you know, some people will have to realize is if, if you bought a Gibson, even if you bought a faded, you're at least going to have some kind of resale value where a guitar like that isn't going to have any real resale value unless, again, you part it out. And you say, it, but you're going to lose. You probably won't lose, or I mean, won't gain much at all on the pots. You won't gain much at all. Pickups are a tough one because they're so personalized. Um, but if you buy the JB slash, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, if you buy comments, see more Duncans, yep. people are going to buy them. Classic it's, that's not an issue. Right. 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 So, again, I think that, but if you're buying it with the long-term goal to hold on to a guitar and play it for a long time, make it yours, and then if you ever do sell it or your kids sell it, then you're not really worried about the fact, hey, I just rented this guitar for 10 years, 12 years, for $300 or $500. So, whatever it is that I took a loss on, so who cares? Yeah, I mean, for me... The reason I bought this thing, number one, was for the podcast, but number two is I need a stage guitar. I need something I can take to a gig or a, a jam and not have to worry if it gets stolen or not. Right. I mean, yes, once I get it fully upgraded, I'm going to have to be a little bit concerned because I'm I'm walking around with eight hundred dollars in parts. But yeah, but uh, I don't think I don't think that the the steel value is there. You know, the person. No, no, no. Assuming, of course, that you're in a, in a place where everybody knows what it's worth. Like the, they're all musicians that are stealing other musician stuff, which right. Let's face it, that's, that's probably what's going on. No, I think that's more rare than you might. I mean, uh, maybe uh, Zach Wild had his guitar stolen. A lot of the guitars that you see, they're stolen. Um, either somebody knows the the person that had the instruments, and they come into the individual's home while they're gone and steal it because they know mm-hmm. they're on vacation or on tour. They know what they've got. They know what they leave at home. Um, or it's a person it, that just, it's a, it's a, you're a victim of happenstance. A person walks along and they're walking along the street and you're loading stuff into your car and you forgot to lock it when you walked away. Boom. Hey, hey, so while we're talking about Zach Wild for a minute, whether you like him or not, I, uh, I wonder if his new company, he started it because he kept getting guitars stolen and it was like, I'll just make these horrendously ugly looking things yeah. so nobody will steal them. <laughs> yep. No, no offense, but the whole SGV thing. Yep. What? Yep. Those what? are some fugly guitars. We were. If you like them, fine. But so I don't. <laughs> the band and I, we were out because um, I, I showed them uh, uh, a guitar that I was looking at. So I've been, as you know, I've been looking at the new 2018 PRS 245 uh, S, the single cut. So I'm kind of waiting for that when the tobacco burst. I think they're calling it. Um. Anyway. I still want to play one, so even if I get my hands on the red one just to see how it looks, feels, plays, that'd be something. Because it's either that, or and I was showing them, I said, oh, this ESP, uh, the EC-1000. Now they're doing the matte black with the JBs in it, um, which yeah. are the, Seymour, the real Seymour Duncan, not a Seymour Duncan design thing. So I'm looking at that, 
um, both of those. And we joke, joking around because we were we were polka dot ties. We we have polka dot somewhere on the stage because we're an eighties kind of band. And I said, hey, we should get this guitar. And I pulled up Randy Rhodes, you know, the polka dot um, flying V. Well, that darn thing um, is like eight grand, seven eight grand. So one of the Jacksons. So we're we're while well, we're joking around looking at those, the um, the other guitarist brings up the Zach Wild collection. <laughs> I said, I'm going to get these. And just, they were the ugliest things I've ever seen in my life. I said, I don't know. I don't know if that single cut is so you can open a beer with it. Is that what it's for? Because it looks like a beer over. It's just. I don't. I mean, like, how do you go from playing? Because I do like the bullseye design yep. on the Les Paul. Les Paul, yep. I mean, those were. That, I would never play one because Even they're the his signature. Like, yep. I'm just kind of opposed to playing people's signature models. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I like the way those looked. Um, and yes, they were EMG loaded. Yep. So I mean, who care? Who cares what the body's like? <laughs> oh yeah, all you're gonna hear is a pickup anyway. I don't know. I was interested in him. Uh, I think his transition over there has been kind of weird. So yeah, uh, I have a I have an idea for another episode based on this topic though, because we've talked about Chinese guitars in the past. So I kind of want to relate it to what th- this experience to what the other people are saying about, you know, hey, they're getting as good as, you know, Korean and all these other models. Um, all right. So, well, yeah. let's thank everybody today for showing Part up. two coming soon. Part two is coming. So, thanks, everybody. I'm Jim. And I'm David. And I'll delete that awkward pause. <laughs> I, was stre- I was stretching. Let's try this again. Take two. I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this was that fast the enough? Practical Guitarist Podcast. Thanks, everybody. everybody welcome to this week's what are we called the price the practical practicing practicing fact all right we're gonna start over a few weeks okay beep (laughs) take two hey everybody we are yep (laughs) i haven't even started drinking this is the this is the hardest thing i've been drinking all night let let me do let me do it all right you do it in five